When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Tom Rush, and you, you lucky dog, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience. Okay, Tom, here we go in a long three count in three, two, one. And welcome back. I'm Steve Cates, Dr. Sky. Welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience, exclusively here on Talk Radio 77 WABC out of New York City and around the world. Our producer is Richard Dugan. The Dr. Sky Experience offers up great guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather and also celebrity guests in the mix. And how about this? Common sense interviews about American heritage and American exceptionalism. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with a gentleman who really doesn't need an introduction, but we here on this particular, this show, the Dr. Sky Experience, are proud to have Tom Rush. He's a gifted musician and performer whose shows offer a musical celebration, a journey into the tradition and spectrum of what music has been, can be, and will become. His distinctive guitar style, dry humor, and warm, expressive voice have made him both a legend and a lure to audiences around the world. His shows are filled with the rib-aching laughter of terrific storytelling, the sweet melancholy of ballads, and the passion of pretty blues. He's also coming for our friends out here in the western part of the United States as he travels all over the nation and the world. He'll be coming to the Celebrity Theater here in Phoenix, Arizona, on November the 19th at 7 p.m. Tom Rush, welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience. How are you, my friend? Thank you, Doctor. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm well, doing thank you well. So much. I'm living the dream. Well, that's exactly what we want to hear from all the guests. With all the turbidity, I know that's a weird word, the turbulence and turbidity <laughs> of what's going on here in our nation, what we need, in many people's opinion, is ways to go back to what? The golden rule, and what I think puts us all in that expressive mode, is music, and music like yourself. And we're so happy to have you here today to talk a little bit more about your background. But describing yourself in just a couple of words, acclaimed singer and songwriter is what comes to mind. So tell us about your background. Let's go back to the days of what? Harvard, Harvard University and the great city of Boston, Massachusetts. Well, I did get my start back there. Um, I, hit, I came to Cambridge in the, what was it, the fall of 59, before you were born, kid. Um, and there was this really amazing folk scene going on. And I got roped into hosting a folk music radio show on Harvard's radio station. 30-minute show on, I think, Wednesday nights. Yep. And I had to have guests come on. And I had to, so I had to go solicit people to appear on the show. And I'd go to the hootenannies, what they called open mics back then. Mm-hmm. And I discovered you could get in for free if you had a guitar. And then I discovered you could get in for free if you had a guitar case. 
So I would put a six-pack in the guitar case and head out to the hootenanny. And I got caught one night at a place called the Golden Vanity. And it was, hey, kid, get on stage. You got in for nothing. I had to borrow a guitar and got up on stage and did 20 minutes and was terminally nervous. But apparently did well enough that the owner called me a couple weeks later and somebody was sick and would I come be a substitute folk singer. And uh, it's been pretty much downhill ever since. Wow. Pretty amazing. So if you never got in there, this whole story we wouldn't be doing today. I mean, just about time. Everything happens for a reason, I believe, and, and some good and some not good in life. But we're always talking about the good. And we're happy to have Tom Rush here, a very gifted musician singer and songwriter telling his story and talking about so many of the things. And, you know, folks, obviously, if you follow this man's music, and hopefully you have, and by this interview, hopefully you'll learn so much more. He is coming once again to the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix, November the 19th, for a 7 p.m. performance. Get tickets wherever tickets are sold, and obviously there's so many out there on the Internet. But this is fascinating, and I want to talk a little bit more about this. Beyond that particular time, I want to hear a little bit more, if you don't mind, sir, about Club 47 and exactly uh-huh. the whole genre of what you've put together here. It's amazing because people can go to your website, simply TomRush.com, learn so much more about you. But talk about the existence and the whole concept of Club 47. I think people would want to hear that. Well, it was a coffee house. Uh, in my mind, it was, there were a lot of folk music establishments around Boston and Cambridge. But the Club 47... Um, in my mind, was the flagship of the fleet, partly because it was one block from my dorm room and was therefore irresistible. But they, they were the one place that brought in the legends. Everybody was hosting the local kids, myself included. Yes. Club 47 brought in the people whose 78s we'd been collecting. You could sit in this little, it was tiny, it was 80 seated, 80 people. But you could listen to the Carter family. Bill Monroe, Flat and Scruggs, on and on. They brought in a lot of the old blues guys, and I adored the blues guys, partly partly because I was an English major. What these guys did to syntax. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what did you study in Harvard? So now we know. An English major, how cool. I was going to be a biology major, but the biology intro course was so bad that I had to switch to something. And uh, Peter, Peter Coyote was a buddy of mine back then. Uh, before he was Peter Coyote, the actor. And his oh, well. dad said, well, English English is a good background subject for almost anything. So I said, oh, okay. And I signed up to be an English major. That's um, partly why I'm a musician today. There's very little uh, job opportunities attached to being an English major. Interesting. So over there, I mean, just give us an example of some of the legends that came to Club 47, because... I was a New Yorker. You know, I'm out here in Arizona now for about 34 years, but my roots go back to New York City and so many of the different clubs back there. I mean, even in the heyday of what they considered to be, I don't even know if that's the right way to describe the genre, punk rock, like CBGBs and all these other clubs in the village. So the history right. of, of Club 47, I mean, describe some of the, uh, the acts that were playing there because it sounded like the place to be if you're into this type of uh, music in this time period, right? Well, Joan Baez got her start there. Wow. Um, and there was, a, there was a, also a, a very uh, active folk scene in New York City. Um, Dylan came out of came out of the New York scene, and there was some, you know, a good deal of crosstalk. Um, Tom Paxton, mm-hmm. 
was just a guest on my online series, Rockport Sundays. Uh, yeah. I was recording him two days ago. But uh, Paxson would come up, Van Ronk, Dave Van Ronk would come up, and uh, and Dylan came up to Cambridge. And, and then we would go down there. It was a very different scene, though, because in Cambridge, there were a lot of amateurs, and I mean that in a positive, the original sense of the word, people who just loved the music, had no intention of becoming professionals. There was a typewriter repairman who was a brilliant high harmony singer and mandolin player. There was a, a, a psychopharmacologist banjo player who was very popular. For variety Amazing. Of wow. What talent. Um, yeah. yeah. But these people had no intention of, you know, getting matching suits and going on the road. They just mm-hmm. loved to play music. And, uh, and the, I think the New York scene was much more professionally oriented. Uh, people didn't, you know, on their way to establishing careers. Anyway, um, some of the people that played there, let's see, Judy Collins um, played there. The, the people I just mentioned, yes. Carter Family, Flatten Scruggs, Bill Monroe. Some of the blues guys, Sleepy John Estes, Booker White. I'm trying to think. Um, a lot, a lot of the blues guys played there. Sonny Cherry. Well, it's an amazing Steve. story. I mean, Tom, this is so so incredible because when we look at the story of your life here, like Harvard, you're, you're studying what? Yeah, you're you're moving on. Your real talents lie, obviously. I mean, no doubt about it. In in this whole musical area, because here, what I'm about to say to the audience, I think, is pretty powerful. How long was it before you got decided, you know, to to play there? at the club, and then the time that you signed or were signed by Elektra Records in 1965. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Uh, how long were you at 47 before Elektra signed you? Was it, like, pretty quick? No, it actually wasn't. I was, before I actually graduated to the Club 47, they were pretty picky about who they hired. Um, yeah. I was playing, played a lot of the, a lot of the places around town, but there was a place called the Unicorn. It was in Boston, and some guy came in and said, you want to make a record? Uh, wow. His name was Dan, Dan Flickinger. And I'd heard this before, and I didn't take it really seriously. I said, okay. And he actually showed up with this tape, tape recorder the size of a washing machine and lugged it down the steps into the unicorn, and he recorded two nights. Yeah. And I remember him telling me it was unethical, morally indefensible to intercut between the two nights. You couldn't take the first verse from night one and the second verse from night two. And I learned later it was because you, you didn't know how to edit tape. But I was, you know, all of a sudden I had an LP and nobody else did. And somehow that made that made a difference. I was somehow more, more legitimate. I don't know. But yeah. um, then what happened was that Vanguard and... Prestige came to town and started signing up everybody except me. And I didn't, oh. I, you know, I didn't have a real record deal. This guy was distributing the Live at the Unicorn LP out of the backseat of the Studebaker. Sure. And <laughs> uh, I think we sold ultimately maybe 300 copies. But uh, finally, Paul Rothschild was working for Prestige, and he signed me up to Prestige. Did two albums for them and then moved over to Electra. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you lived it. I'm just reading this, and, I, and I'm fascinated by this, and I'm sure our listeners are. Signed by Electra in 65, you made three albums for them, culminating, as you know, in the Circle Game, which, according to Rolling Stone, what, ushered in the singer-songwriter era. 
So that's amazing. I mean, your place in history in this is uh, fairly well documented, well deserved, and it's always a privilege and honor to talk to the people that make the music scene happen here. So congratulations on that. I mean, it, even though it's in the in the history of the past, there it's just an amazing story. Well, the, and, the you know, ushering in the singers, ushering in the singer songwriter thing was because that Circle Game album was the first time anybody had recorded Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, or Jackson Brown. Wow. So these three brilliant writers were introduced in this one project. And I wasn't trying to usher in anything or or discover anybody. I was just uh, basically looking for good songs. Well, as evidence to that here, I mean, here's a quote, and you know it well. Quote, Tom was not the only one of my early heroes, but also one of my main influences, end quote, James Taylor. I mean... What powerful stuff is that? I mean, God bless you. I mean, your your humility comes across here, but that's a great accomplishment uh, in this particular genre of music. But I want to ask you uh, this. If you describe to us in this particular episode, Dr. Sky Experience, singer-songwriter, this is so interesting because you mentioned Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie here we talk about, Joni Mitchell, Hank Williams, Paul Simon, James Taylor, of course. I'm understood that even David Crosby, who was a singer-songwriter, then he crossed over to the rock genre. But, but tell us a little more. What, what's, the, what's this inspiration for singer-songwriter? I mean, I'm not a music person, but I love to listen to it, and I love to listen, like many people, to so many bands and acts. But from your experience, Tom, how would you define singer-songwriter uh, in, in your experience? It's just amazing. Well, it's, you know, I think it's, it's something that's evolved. Um, mm-hmm. Before James and Jackson and Joni, uh, most most big stars didn't write their own songs. They, you know, right. other people wrote the songs that they performed and made into hits. And starting with with those three, uh, singer songwriter became a thing. And I wasn't actually much of a singer songwriter, although that that album, Circle Game album, did contain mm-hmm. probably my most covered song called No Regrets. Uh, it's been done by by U2 and Carly Noel. On and on and on. A lot of, a lot of people have recorded it. Put my first two kids through college. Um, wow. But I, I actually started writing more songs lately. I've written more songs in the past 10 years than I did in the first 50. And my latest album, which is called Voices, I think is my best work. And it's all songs that I wrote myself, which has never happened before. Right, and a new song, Nothing But a Man. I mean, but in this particular interview here on the Dr. Sky Experience, I want the audience to hear this, and, and I, I'm taking liberty to read something here because these are your words, but I, what I'm trying to get at here in a moment, I'd like to ask you to describe the feeling and what the meaning behind No Regrets is, but here we go, and, and you know the words by heart. I know you're leaving's too long overdue. Too far, too long. I've had nothing new to show you. Goodbye, dry eyes. I watched your plane fade off west, the moon, and it felt so strange to walk away alone. So, obviously, as I read this, and I won't read all the lyrics, because what we're going to do is we're going to actually play this version of your amazing song here, songwriter Tom Rush's No Regrets. So, audience, I'd like them to hear this, and then I'd like to have you describe a little bit more about the meaning of this particular song, No Regrets. So here we go, folks. We're going to play that.
leaving's too long overdue For far too long I've had nothing new to show to you Goodbye drives, I watched your plane Fade off west of the moon And it felt so strange To walk away alone There's no regrets No tears, goodbye Don't want you back We'd only cry again Say goodbye again The hours that we yours Echo like empty rooms Thoughts we used to share, I now keep alone. I woke last night and spoke to you, not thinking you were gone, and it felt so strange to lie awake alone. No regrets No tears goodbye Don't want you back We'd only cry again Say goodbye Our friends have tried to turn my nights to day Strange faces in your place can't keep the ghosts away Now just beyond the darkest hour Just behind the dawn It still feels so strange Lead my life alone There's no regrets No tears goodbye I Don't want you back We'd only cry Say goodbye again. Well, that was great. I'm glad that we uh, had a chance to play. But let's talk a little bit more about the meaning of these words. I mean, may I ask, is that a personal tragedy in your life about love? Or is this <laughs> some compilation that you pulled together from 
other people who've had heartache. I mean, heartache's everywhere, but hopefully we come it, out it of was, it and uh, we feel better actually, about ourselves. It was actually an extrapolation from a, a real-life experience. Okay. I had a girlfriend, girlfriend from New York named Jill Lumpkin, and I, I met her in New York, and uh, she actually flew up to Cambridge, flew up to Boston, and spent the weekend with me. Yes. And I'd never spent that many days and nights with anybody before. Wow. And I took her on Monday morning and took her back out to Logan Airport and put her on a plane, and it flew away. Yes. And it felt kind of strange being alone. And from that, I just I extrapolated it into being the end of a long relationship, which in fact happened and came true. And we did break up after some years. Sure. Um, but it was imaginary. The first, the first iteration of it was me thinking about, oh, it could feel like this if this and that happened. Sure. Wow. And the last words, as you know them by heart, I'm just going and letting the audience hear this and please comment. I have no regrets, no tears goodbye. Don't want you back, would only cry again. Say goodbye again. I mean, wow. The end of an experience, but uh, that's powerful stuff. And, and then let's, let's, let's pony off of that, that so many other people in the music industry want have done iterations of this particular song. Give us an example of some of the people who've done their version of Tom Rush's No Regrets. It's understandable that there's many people who've picked up on this. And what's so great, what a high honor to have someone who's written something. Yeah. And in your original version, there's been iterations of that that also have what? A different tone, a different sound, but the meaning of the word oh, is been, still so important. There have been the heavy metal versions. Wow. Artists who have recorded No Regrets include... Lee Hazelwood, Ann Margaret, Waylon Jennings, Olivia Newton-John, Shirley Bassey, Emmylou Harris, Robbie Williams, I'm not sure who that is, yeah, maybe a band called <laughs> Luna, uh, the Walker Brothers in England had a huge hit with it. That was what put my first kids through college. Wow. Lee Hazelwood, Midge Ewer, who had a band called Ultravox, heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Heard of thing. them, sure. And he, he did, uh, Midge did it. <laughs> heavy metal version of No Regrets. It was so ponderous, you could only get two verses into an eight-minute cut. And then there was some rap group, and I can't think of their name, but they had a big hit with No Regrets, which I did not recognize. Somebody played it for me. Why are you playing this? What is it? Don't you know, Tom? It's No Regrets. No, it's mine. I'm Rush. Old me, and you too actually used... uh, used the chorus in some of their stage shows for a while. There was an extra zero on my royalty statement that year. Well, well well-deserved. And also, I want to share with the audience here in our time today, you obviously returned with a big splash back in 1981. Here we go, folks. Selling out Boston's prestigious Symphony Hall. Describe that. I mean, that's no easy thing to do, and, and certainly a place like that. I mean, you have people who know that, great performers there. I mean, what a great experience. Just describe that to this audience, uh, to the, uh, even to this day, the story is great. Well, that was the start of a series. I actually, uh, I actually own the name Club 47 these days, and I do shows under that banner. I see and that. The, yeah. theme of, the theme of the shows is basically there are a couple of established artists, myself being one, and then a couple of newcomers, brilliant people that you've never heard of. And I 
they basically browbeat everybody into playing with one another. And uh, it, the shows are a lot of a lot of fun. But I've done them. I've you know helped to introduce a whole lot of whole lot of young artists, and uh, hopefully it's been helpful to them. But absolutely, we did a series at Symphony Hall in Boston, uh, an annual thing for a while. But I've also done them at Carnegie Hall in New York and Kennedy Center in Washington D.C. and a bunch of other uh, pretty substantial venues. Great story, Tom. But let's ask this question. As this radio show is heard around the nation, the Dr. Sky Experience, we're here on Talk Radio 77 WABC out of New York City and around the world. I, of course, hail from Phoenix, Arizona, but an original New Yorker. But this isn't about me. It's about you. Describe what people can expect when they come to the concert uh, on November the 19th, Celebrity Theater. A great opportunity to experience your music, not only in the past, but also the present, and learn so much more about the, uh, the, the thing that you have called Sundays, what? The, the, the whole program that you do for Sundays. That, that's amazing. Rockport Sundays. So let's talk, let's talk about the Celebrity Theater. We'll also yes, be the same show will be in, in Tucson the next night. Nice. But, uh, Celebrity Theater is actually headlined by Dave Mason. And Al Stewart and I are going to support Mr. Mason. Um, so it should be fun. I've, worked, I've not worked with, with Dave before. But Al and I have done uh, a bunch of shows together over the years, and he's a treat. I'm looking very much looking forward to being on. Oh, this will be great. Yeah. The the online series you're referring to is called uh, Rockport Sundays. Rockport Sundays. Urge urge your listeners to go to TomRush.com, and there's a button right staring you in the face. You can click. The Rockport Sundays has been a series I started back at the beginning of the pandemic when I didn't have any shows. I thought, well, okay, I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a song and a story. This is video. Uh, I've got very professional video and audio guys helping me. But I'm sitting in my kitchen and I'll sing you a song and tell you a story. And it takes about 15 minutes. And I post them every Sunday morning, but they stay up for eight weeks. So you can watch them whenever you want. And there's different tiers. It's a subscription series. Different tiers. The base tier is ten bucks a month, and people are loving it. It's, uh, and now that I'm back on on the road and back on stage, I'm still going to keep doing it. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm roping a bunch of my buddies into being guests. We just recorded Tom Paxton. Jonathan Edwards has been there. Uh, I'm going to go up to Toronto and record Jordan Lightfoot. Yeah, you're a busy uh, man. That's awesome. There you go. Sometime soon. But it's been a lot of fun. And we we just uh, we shoot the breeze and sing a song. I'll do a song. They'll do a song. Maybe we'll do a song together. Uh, and it's now we just had our 100th episode. And I'm looking forward to Well, that's to amazing. Thousands. It really is. And people need to go to the website, TomRush.com, to learn so much more about this. But your touring schedule is awesome. Obviously, here coming to the West in Arizona here in November. But also, I'm looking on your schedule, and you're going into the year of 2023 for all of our friends in the New York City market. Don't forget, he's coming in there April 2023, areas like Connecticut, and I'm sure lots of other locations. As your tour continues, a very proud moment in music history, as we're privileged and honored to speak with Tom Rush today, a very talented singer and songwriter, obviously not just in my opinion, but the opinion of so many people out there. Again, go to his website, tomrush.com. And i got to ask you something else that's interesting here. 
I'd like to talk about your experience with COVID because God bless, so many people have suffered the, the heartache oh, yeah. of this particular disease. And if you don't mind, sir, just share with us your story because I've understood, you know, it, it's a very important story to talk about how you're a survivor. Well, I got it early on. I was an early adapter. This is mid-March 2020. And I was doing a string of shows in Florida. And I had a week off. And then I had more shows in Florida. But I decided I would go home to New England, to Rockport, Massachusetts, where I was living at the time. And I think on the plane going north is where I got the bug. But it was no fun. I spent five days getting worse, five days really feeling awful, and five days getting better. I was lucky I was not hospitalized. My doc, I was phoning and texting him my vital statistics twice a day, and he said he came very close to telling me to come into the hospital. But um, I basically just got better on my own. I do not recommend it. I advise everybody to get vaccinated. I know the vaccines aren't perfect, but they will, they will keep you out of the hospital and keep you out of the morgue, hopefully. Yes. That's um, amazing. Well, right. so many people have passed from this, as you know. I've lost some close friends here, and I'm sure yeah. the listeners of this radio show far and wide around this country, Tom, they, we all know the problems. But the good news is a survivor mentality is, is, is what people need out there, especially in these tough times. You know, we don't talk politics on this show, but obviously the way things are headed, it's a very divided country right now, no matter what our beliefs are. But the truth of the matter is, let's hope that through music, like yourself and others, it brings joy and hopefully peace to the heart of the people that are out there. And I want to thank you, sir, for being part of this radio experience today. Yes, Steve Cates, the Dr. Sky Experience, once again, proudly heard here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Out of New York City and around the world, our producer, and thank him ahead of time, is Richard Dugan. We talk about these great realms, and I know you probably don't know that, Tom, but the great way this radio program started was talking about, because of my astronomy background, Science, aviation, space, all that kind of stuff. But we have oh, made it cool. a habit to talk about so many with so many celebrity guests, and we talk about American exceptionalism here. Great stories to keep us proud that we're Americans, and hopefully our country continues in a positive way. So I want to it's thank you very country. much. Tom's website is tomrush.com. You get the last word, sir, and I do appreciate your time here on the Doctor Sky Experience. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to. Coming out to Arizona, it's a treat for me to do shows. I just, I love, I love playing songs that I love for the people, and uh, I'm hoping to be doing it for another 50 years. Well, God bless you, and let's hope that we can get there to see you in person, along with many other listeners. Celebrity Theater, for those listening on the West Coast or the western part of the United States, Celebrity Theater, Phoenix, Arizona, November 19th, 7 p.m., coming, of course, across the nation and back to the East Coast. This tour continues well into April of 2023 in the New York metro market. Thank you so much, sir. If you stay on the line with us as we go to the hard break, we'd like to ask you a quick question, a few questions. That concludes this interesting introduction and experience, the Dr. Sky experience heard here again on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City and around the world. Until next time, stay healthy. We do appreciate all of our listeners out there. And thank you. Bye.